0: Welcome to Ear Crush, the Friday podcast for people who love listening to great stories. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and my co-host today is Erica Everest, the author of today's story, Renegade. Erica, welcome. Hi, Steve. Thanks very much. Now, your story was written as a part of Fans Write for the Fans in the Cartharian Gambit world. This story took place in the first edition of Fans Write for the Fans, so that means you're one of the very first people to do this. What convinced you to come along and play when the the request went out for people to write in this universe?
1: Well, it's actually funny. I missed the request, so it went out last September and— There was this big buzz happening, but it went out in the back of one of Michael's author notes, and I never read those because being part of the JIT, the Just In Time proofreading team, for those of you who don't know, Michael never gets his author notes in on time. They're always (laughs) last minute. This is ironic because I was guilty of exactly the same thing, but because of this, I never got to see any of the author notes. So this
0: fans write thing all passed me by. And I remember I think we were chatting in a Slack group and you were saying, Do you think I still have time? And I'm like, Yeah, you totally have still have time. You know, just write the story. I don't know whether you had started writing or you just had an idea. Where were you when you finally decided where were you in the in the process? Of building the story when you made the decision or made the commitment to be a part of uh, the first edition of Fans Right for the Fans?
1: So I heard about Fans Right in December and went, oh, this sounds interesting. What's going on? As all the people started getting together around it, and and I reached out to you, Steve, and think, so what's the deadline for this? December 20th. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay, that's that's eight days away. So I said, well, too late. And, um, you know, I read some of the other stories and was getting involved. But there's this great energy. Um, everyone was so excited about this opportunity. It was just so new, so groundbreaking, the idea that an author would choose to let fans come and write in their universe, not just putting up with it, but actually openly inviting and encouraging it. I held out three days. <laughs> By December 15th, I was of, like, I really want to do this. Um, and I'd had an idea back in July. So Natalie Robert, Roberts, ND um, Roberts, back in July, Michael shared with us um, a short story she had written, which was what was going to become Holly's saviour. I thought, wow, fan fiction and Krythurian. Hmm. And that actually made me think of a story idea of my own. I wrote about 300 words about it, put it aside, forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But now it was jumping out at me again, saying, You know, you started one of these things. <laughs> so I pulled it out and I shared it with the group and said, Oh, kind of, this is something I tried. You know, I might try if there's a volume two. There's this lovely reaction to it in the group. People said, that sounds interesting. We'd like to hear more. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I just put my head down and five days later at 11 p.m. Eastern time, which was 4 a.m. for me, I finally <laughs> submitted the, the draft having just crept over the line of both word count and just under the line of the deadline. Um, <laughs> I had my story finished. So I was amazed that I had done it. And, you know, really pleased that I'd actually put the effort in to, to make it happen because, you know, a month later when the the volume one came out and there we saw the printed cover and our names on it was just this amazing feeling
0: to be part of that. You know, you talked about the infectious energy. And I remember the, the, the days sort of leading up to this. There was a lot of There was the request for stories and then there was the building of the processes to allow everything to work. And so there was a lot of tedium that was involved. But then once the stories started coming in and people started reading the stories and, you know, for people who are out there listening to this who are thinking I might like to do this, we do this three times a year, sometimes four times a year. So if you're interested in doing this, check out the Fans Write for the Fans Facebook group. There will be a link to it in the show notes. But the the people involved are just so positive, and there's so much positive energy that comes from this. And then the stories were in, and then the cover came out, and then the names were on the cover, and then it was publication day. And, and it was literally one of the most exciting days I've had – and I, I didn't even write for this – but it was one of the most exciting <laughs> days I'd had in in publishing books for LMBPN just because of all the excitement around this book.
1: Yeah, we were all there, both the people who were, had written um, submissions for the book but also the people who had been involved in reading and giving feedback and voting on their favorite stories to be included. We were all there together saying – Is it out? Is it out? Oh, it's out. Oh, I've read it. Oh, it's great. And it was just this about a day and a half of, you know, sharing stories and enthusiasm and excitement together. And um, then the print version came out and, you know, to hold it in your hand and say, wow, a book with my name on it. But I actually got that um, the weekend of the 20 Books London Conference. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) um, the conference started... Uh, on the Saturday morning, I was flying out on the Friday. The book, the printed copy went on sale on Thursday night.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got Amazon to ship it to a booking de- uh, collection depot outside the conference hotel in the, the local town. And on Saturday night, myself and Nat, Andy Roberts, you know hopped in a taxi to drive down to this <laughs> post office in the middle of a sleepy English village and say hi we're here for this package and we opened it's like five identical copies of the, the same book and the guy's looking at us we're like, that's us that's our name <laughs> and <he's> like, okay <laughs> so um, we were just so giddy we went back and we spent the next day going around and everyone who was involved we got signatures from Michael obviously but also from Andrew Doble who did the cover design
0: the cover was Nan- beautiful
1: it was stunning.
0: Because of the way you and Natalie and Sarah Weir got involved in the process for the first one, you guys all kind of took over the entire process for Fans Write for books two and three. And, uh, you know, I'm praying that this, this goes on like forever because it's so much fun and you guys do such such a great job with it. How did you all kind of get together and just say, ah, you know, we're we're just going to do this to make sure it keeps happening?
1: Yeah, well, firstly, I'll say, that we're in the middle of it at the moment for the Orseran group, mm-hmm. which is the other universe um, that Michael created or co-created. And so it's uh, we're st- in the middle of submissions now. It'll be opening later this month and running into the middle of November. So anyone who wants to do uh, a new story in the Orseran universe—Brindstone, Shay, Allison, School of Necessary Magic—you know, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. So so come on. Basically Sarah Nat and I got to be friends through fans right we didn't know each other before and through talking about the books we got talking to each other and I then met Nat for the first time when we went to the conference together and the three of us had just kind of gelled as a team mm-hmm. and then when it came time to to get involved again Sarah and Nat had been involved supporting the production of the first volume which I had heard nothing about and missed completely. But I <laughs> said, do you need help? Because I would love to be part of this. And they're like, absolutely. So the three of us then put together a plan of, well, how would we make this happen? How can we make it bigger and better? Well, we kind of overshot on that one. So we went from nine submissions for volume one to 26 submissions <laughs> for volume two, mm-hmm. which is why we ended up with the volume three because we had so many, we just couldn't fit... Like We didn't want to throw away these excellent stories, but nor could we squeeze them all into just one volume. So two volumes was our solution. And so Fans Write for the Fans Volume 2 came out in June. Fans Write for the Fans Volume 3 came out in September.
0: Just so that the listeners understand this, this is not a situation where you just submit a story and you're automatically published. The story gets presented to a group of fans who are readers of, of, the, of the universe in, in the Critharian Gambit and in, for the case of Orsaren, Orsaren readers, yeah. and they vote on them. And it's only the top vote-getters that, that make it into the published book.
1: Absolutely. And it's all about the fans picking it because these are stories written by the fans for the fans. So it's the fans who make the choices. We had over a thousand votes on the volume two, three voting round. That's amazing. You know, it was just this incredible outpouring of engagement and feedback and, you know, an awful lot of really positive feedback. But at the same time, these fans are fans and they, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they, me included, we don't hold back. You know, if it's not right, <laughs> we, we'll get on, on Facebook or wherever and tell you why it's not the, just right for our universe, for our stories. We become very protective of our Catherian universe. Um, I think as all fans understand, it's when it's something that's special, you you won't allow people mess with it. And it's, but that was one of the very interesting things that came out actually through the first volume. It was the authors and the fans ourselves, we decided that we wanted stories that would fit canon. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so what is canon for people who don't know what canon? What's that mean?
1: So that means the the story, the official events of what happens, you know, who's dating who, um, when this battle occurred, where so-and-so was during that battle. So you can't suddenly have... Well what if Bethany Ann became a werewolf instead of a vampire? <laughs> did it did that, that would be an entirely different series and it wouldn't be this series in this universe?
2: Yeah.
1: Um so it's like you there are alternative imaginings and such, but if they break canon I they couldn't work within the rules of the universe as laid down in the books. And that's what the definition of canon is. What's written in the books already as your boundaries, if it would kind of fall outside of that, then, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't okay. And we all were very conscious, I think, to try and make sure that our stories could fit as if it was a look at another time in someone's life or in another part of the galaxy. So, for example, my story is set on another planet far away where the Carthurians have also had an influence or maybe not so much an influence as an interference. So that was kind of where it was linking in um, contemporaneously with maybe some of the events in the rest of the series, but very much in keeping with what the Criterians do, how they operate, and, you know, the rules of who they are define the rules of what my characters could do and what they couldn't do and how it all fits together. And that, I think, was quite an interesting thing. Michael certainly commented afterwards that he was very surprised by that. He hadn't He hadn't expected that we would be... <laughs> I suppose to be quite so rapidly
0: protective of the series. Um, yeah, there was but, no plan for that in the beginning. <laughs> it's just like we're just going to do this and 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 see what happens. And all of this has has evolved from this really loosey-goosey kind of concept for something into a really well-structured thing, thanks to the three of you ladies getting involved and in, in organizing <laughs> it for us. So it's, it's been wonderful. So is, it, do you think that's enough of an introduction to, the, of, to your story, do you, or do you want to give us a little bit more detail before we turn it over to Meg Price for your story?
1: Well, I suppose I can just speak a little to the inspiration be, behind it was okay. – um, I felt that there wasn't enough dragons in Carthurian universe. <laughs> like one accidental transformation in the Age of Magic just didn't seem to be enough. So I thought, what happens if an alien species was effectively dragon-like um, and the Carthurians got their hands on them? What would that do? Um, and that's where the Dracus originated. <laughs> and when I started, that was all I knew about them. But the rest of the story came from there.
0: All right. And so with that as background, let's turn it over to Meg Price, who will be narrating Renegade.
2: Renegade by Erica Everest. I am one of the Dracus, the enhanced warriors of our race. Our gods have sent us to fight ignorance and injustice in the universe and to bring peace and enlightenment instead. On the planet I'm assigned to, I meet a native who is not grateful for our help. In fact, she despises us for our interference. Her attitude challenges my entire worldview. Is my cause truly as noble as I have always believed, or is it something more sinister? And what are the gods' real intentions for the Dracus? dedication. For Liam, who is always supportive and encouraging and ensures I get fed even when I disappear into the worlds in my head. And for Iselt and Hugh, whom I love more than unicorns and dragons. Prologue. They call us Dracus. Drogon says that we are special. We are gladiators, warriors whom the gods themselves chose to be the pinnacle of evolution. He doesn't understand why I'm not happy. Why do I not feel honored to have been chosen? But it is because I have another name for what we are. Slaves. Chapter 1 The horn sounds, and we line up in formation. It sounds again, and the first cohort of five jump off the edge of the cliff. There is a sharp crack as five sets of wings unfurl and catch the updraft. The next five step forward and repeat the action of the first cohort. I am in the third cohort. It feels good to stretch my wings after the confines of the cave system. The sun feels warm on my skin, although intellectually, I know it's actually burning hot. If I were in my original form, it would be painful and possibly lethal. Me to be exposed to it, but since my metamorphosis, I no longer have such concerns. My skin is tougher, and the previously deadly heat is no more than a gentle and pleasant warmth. So many things are different since I emerged from the cocoon the gods placed me in to enhance me and took my first steps as the Dracus. But I don't want to think about the changes I went through during those long months in the dark, or the people I left behind. I want to forget for a moment about the priests and the mission the gods have sent us on. At this moment, the sun warms my back and the winds buoy my wings, and I just want to enjoy the sensation. I am floating. I am flying. At this moment, I am free. Too soon the moment passes. Infinity Park is spread out below us. The name was not bestowed because the park is infinite in size. Since, in fact, it is quite small, but because the park is laid out in an ever repeating golden spiral, fractals to infinity. From the air, one can truly appreciate its brilliance, the mathematical building blocks of the universe on display for all who fly over. The gods, in their magnanimity, also created a pathway through the park along the spiral to allow the unmetamorphosed natives of the planet to trace and worship the perfection of this sacred symbol. After all, that was the reason the gods sent us to this planet. We came to teach the natives the path of the spiral, to spread the glory of our gods and bring enlightenment to this backwards race. Normally seeing the spiral at the center of the park would evoke a feeling of serenity in me. But not today. The perfect symmetry that calms my discontent is absent. The park is full of people from the nearby metropolitan zone. The sun doesn't seem to bother them as it would have bothered me in my previous form. They seem to enjoy the heat. But they are not following the spiral pathway to the center of the park to marvel at the glimpse of the divine it offers. No, the disrespectful heathens have sprawled all over the park. The path of the spiral teaches us that the golden spiral is divine perfection a symbol of order, purity, and righteousness. To walk on the grass in Infinity Park is to stray from the path of the spiral, literally and figuratively. To lie on the grass and revel in it is profanity of the highest order. The priests have warned the natives in their sermons about the evil of disorder. Worshippers of chaos will not be tolerated in this community. The priests preach, and the dracus protect. That is our purpose. We will drive the chaos lovers out and destroy them if necessary before we allow them to corrupt this world. The order comes down the line. These inferior beings have angered our gods with their chaotic ways. The infidels have ignored the warnings, so they will now face the burning wrath, the special gift the gods have bestowed on us so we can punish the evil ones without harming the flora of this planet. We want to leave more than a wasteland for the righteous to inhabit, after all. We are the retribution sent to purify this world, and I am glad to be able to assist in blotting out the impiety perpetrated here. Drogon leads the descent of death and destruction from the skies and unleashes the burning wrath on one of the infidels who is consumed by a column of green fire. When the fire burns out a moment later, All that remains of the native is a trail of ash forming the golden spiral on the ground. Now your final journey to the heart of the spiral begins. Drogon intones the words of our funerary rites over the ashes, but because this was not a believer, he adds, may you find your way there now, as you have failed to do in life. We all pause for a moment to reflect on the words then scatter to seek out others who are still profaning this holy place. Most are unaware of what just occurred, or deluded enough to assume that the same punishment would not apply to their transgressions. Soon there is green fire all around me, which rapidly disabuses the infidels of that notion. The natives scream as they run for the park's exits, their heathen practices abandoned. I look around, but there are no blasphemers left for me to deal with. They have all fled or been destroyed by one of my brethren. Those walking the path need have no fear of our wrath. I am disappointed. I still want to exercise my frustrations at the disturbance of the serenity here today, but no outlets remain. Just then, I spy one of the natives, stubbornly lying on the grass on the far side of the park, despite the mass exodus. Such defiance cannot be let stand. No one else has seen her, since the rest are concentrated on the near side of the park. I smile in satisfaction. She is mine. I swoop in to send her on her final journey to the heart of the spiral, but then something inexplicable happens. One of the natives leaves the safety of the path and runs straight into the danger zone. Green fire explodes around her like mortar. Undeterred, she continues running past the fire and across the dark expanse beyond it, Throw herself in front of the infidel I am targeting. I pull back, startled. This female is righteous. She followed the path and did not stray. So why was she defending this non believer? Logic would dictate that she stay where she was or leave the park, yet she chose neither of those options. She is shouting at me, but I am still too stunned by her actions to take in her words. When they register, I am confused. I understand the individual words, but the context in which she is using them makes no sense. Why are you doing this? Why do you terrorize us this way? Attack us when we're doing no harm. We just want to enjoy this lovely day and share a picnic in the park with friends. Why do you punish us for that? I am still confused by her behavior, and angry at my confusion so I confront her. Why do you obstruct me from my sacred duty to cleanse the world of traitors and miscreants, these agents of chaos? I ask her. Agents of chaos? She shrieks back at me. Do you even hear yourself? We're having a picnic, not plotting world domination. Those who do not follow the path of the spiral seek to undermine it. The spiral is our guide, It shows us the way. We must follow where it leads. That is your philosophy? Follow the spiral? The spiral only leads to one place, and that is to its center. But it is a place you can never reach because the spiral is infinite. So your religion dictates that you follow one path blindly with no hope of ever reaching your destination? I prefer free will, the ability to choose my own path. I may not always choose wisely, and I may make mistakes, but at least I will be the one making them. That is my freedom. Can you say, with all the rules binding you, that you are free too? Her words disturbed me. It is an interpretation of our tenets that I have never considered. I resented being conscripted to fight on the gods' behalf, but never did I question the righteousness of our mission. Now, doubts begin to assail me which eat at the very core of my existence they undermine my belief in the purity of the spiral and the value of my mission to help others achieve enlightenment it makes me uncomfortable i know my duty and yet i am now hesitant to carry it out only the path of the spiral is their safety if you stray from it again i will not be able to save you y- you're you're letting us go the small figure behind the angry female asked in a shocked voice Hush, Leela, the angry female said, angling her body to shield the other from my view. She doesn't sound angry now, just wary, and perhaps there is a little hope in her voice, too. Thank you, she whispers softly. If you ever decide you would like to gain direct knowledge of our so called chaotic lives, you can find me in the Metropolitan Zone. I'm on Market Street most days. But ask any of the people there, and they will direct you to me. My name is Miss Sandra. I will not forget what you have done for me and my sister today. I don't know how to reply to this. Why would I want to learn about chaos? It is the antithesis of everything I believe in. I understand the intent behind the gesture, though. So I do not refuse outright. Go, I say. It will be dark soon. You do not want to be outside the gates when night falls. She nods in acknowledgment, then picks up the dark blankets the younger female had been lying on and wraps one around each of them. Thus covered, they no longer stand out against the background and should be concealed unless someone looks closely in their direction. With a crack of my wings, I launch into a vertical takeoff. The young female stares up at me with her mouth agape, but the older female, Miss takes her hand and drags her from Infinity Park. And
0: that wraps up part one of Renegade from Erica Everest. We've got a full week coming up this week at LMBPN Publishing. We've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, actually seven books coming this week. On Monday, we've got two, the first of which is Your Life is Forfeit uh, by Craig Martell. That's book four in the Judge, Jury, and Executioner series, We've also got, on Monday, Book 3 in the Enemy of My Enemy series, A uh, Subtle War is the title. On Tuesday, Determined is Her Path, Book 7 in The School of Necessary Magic. And on Wednesday, oddly enough, it just goes to show that there are not enough words in the language to have enough, <laughs> enough titles to go along. Uh, we've got a book called Renegade, using the same title that Erica chose for her story, and this is book two in Damien's Chronicles. Book one was released last week. On Thursday, we've got something that's really kind of fun. The first book in the Intergalactic Pest Control series. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, and you're going, you're going to like it. The title is Ganked in Space. On Friday, Drinking with Death, the second book in our romance series by River Tatum, And sometime during the week, I'm guessing Wednesday, we're going to have the second book in our children's series by Sienna Lawson. So look for that as well. You can find information on all of this at the website, lmbpn.com, or on the various Facebook pages for LMBPN Publishing. So that is it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back with part two of this version of Renegade on Friday.